Don't just ride the index, seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. Go spread the word. When you get a fresh, hot McCrispy from McDonald's and you can feel the heat coming through the bag, don't try to wait till you get home. Always respect hot chicken. The McCrispy, only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, podcast friends. I'm Laura Adams, your host and personal finance author, speaker, and consumer advocate, who's been producing this show since 2008. Thanks so much for downloading the show. If you're like me, you are ready to come out of the coronavirus quarantine, but you're doing it slowly and cautiously, so we don't have to repeat this nightmare. And if you're someone who has been doing essential work over the past couple of months, thank you so, so much for making the crisis a little more tolerable for everyone who's been sheltering at home. Throughout, I've been receiving a lot of questions from Money Girl podcast listeners and my book readers about different aspects of managing the crisis. And I think one of the most confusing parts of the whole thing has been the economic relief package for workers and small business. Many people are just confused about who qualifies for what program and how to apply successfully. If you've been laid off or you've had your work hours cut due to the pandemic, you're eligible for both state and federal unemployment compensation. That is a pretty straightforward situation. And if you run a business that's been hurt by the economic downturn and you've got employees, you qualify for something called the Paycheck Protection Program, or PPP. It's a loan that's backed by the Small Business Administration that offers relief if you want to continue paying your employees, even if they can't actually do their jobs during the health crisis. And if you use PPP funds for approved business expenses such as payroll, rent, and utilities, you don't even have to repay the loan. Additionally, there are other types of loans that you can get through the SBA. One of them is the Economic Injury Disaster Loan, or EIDL, EIDL. This one comes with potentially higher loan amounts than the PPP, and it can be used for a much broader range of business expenses. But this one has to be repaid, albeit at a very low rate. And you may also qualify for an Economic Injury Disaster Grant. This one pays businesses $1,000 per employee up to a $10,000 maximum, and it does not have to be repaid. But what's been unclear are the options for the self-employed. These are folks who have no employees except themselves in a lot of cases. Maybe they work with other contractors, but they don't have any W-2 people on a payroll. So whether you call yourself a full or a part-time freelancer, gig worker, or an independent contractor, you're still a small business. And if you've suffered financially due to the pandemic, 
you have several options to get relief. So to talk about these, I interviewed Jerry Detweiler. She's a nationally recognized financing and credit expert with more than 20 years of experience. She's the education director for NAV, which is a financing partner for more than 1.2 million businesses. Jerry offers her expertise and a lot of actionable advice for NAV's customers. So I wanted to have her on the podcast, and we really cut through the confusion to help businesses of any size, including solopreneurs, understand how to get economic relief during the coronavirus crisis. We cover a variety of topics, including understanding the relief options for businesses, the self-employed, and the unemployed. We talk about whether a solopreneur should file for unemployment or the PPP. We talk about documents that you need to prepare before applying for an SBA-backed loan. We cover how business credit is different from consumer credit and common mistakes that keep businesses and the self-employed from qualifying for economic relief right now. And we'll cover tips to make sure a PP loan that you receive can be forgiven. And we talk also about how consumers who are struggling to pay bills can protect themselves from debt collectors during this challenging time. So let's get into it. I hope you enjoy this interview with Jerry. Jerry, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Oh, thank you for having me. I think there are a lot of people who are very confused right now. Of course, people are very upset about the coronavirus crisis, loss of jobs, loss of business income. And I think people are really confused about what benefits apply to which group of people. So right now, let's say if you were a business person who is affected in any way by the COVID crisis, would you apply for a PPP loan? Would you go for unemployment insurance? Would you do both? What is the difference between the two and and what direction should people go in? That's such a great question. So there are three main programs available to small business owners. One is the PPP, the Paycheck Protection Program loans. The other is the Economic Injury Disaster Loan, or EIDL. And the third is the Unemployment for the Self-Employed. And it is confusing for business owners to figure out figure out which is, is the best for their situation. Now, PPP generally gives the business owner two and a half times their average monthly payroll. So for business owners who have employees, they may be able to keep those employees on payroll for the two months after they get the loan and then also have a little extra money for expenses like rent, utilities, or mortgage. And then if they use it for the right purposes, mainly payroll, they can get it forgiven. So it's essentially free money. The Economic Injury Disaster Loan, or EIDL, is a loan, but it does come with the option of an upfront grant or advance that doesn't have to be repaid. Now, the legislation said that's supposed to be up to $10,000, and the way the SBA SBA is administering it, it's $1,000 per employee. But then you may also get funding 
for a loan, which can go up to 30 years at 3.75%. So very attractive terms for a long-term loan from the SBA. So that's another option. And the nice thing about idle is that it can cover working capital expenses. So it's a broader category of expenses than PPP, which is mainly for payroll. And then the third option is unemployment for the self-employed. And in that case, you may be eligible for unemployment based on your state's benefit, whatever the maximum is for your state, depending on how much you qualify for based on past earnings. And then you may also be entitled to an additional $600 per week for a limited period of time. So depending on how much you earn in your business, PPP might cover more, Unemployment might cover more, and then idle might be a third benefit that could help with other expenses for your business. So just to clarify, let's say you are self-employed and you are a freelancer and you are the only person in your business. And let's say you don't pay yourself a paycheck, but you have pass-through income from your business. Would you still qualify for the PPP option? You may still qualify for PPP if you're self-employed. The SBA recently came out with guidance, and the way they said you're supposed to calculate it is you're supposed to look at your 2019 tax return and the Schedule C. So that's where most self-employed people report their business income to the IRS when they file their tax return. Line 31 of your Schedule C shows the net profit or net loss from your business for 2019. You don't have to have filed this tax return, but you do need to complete it so you can see how much you qualify for. And what the SBA says is you will take your 2019 profit. If you took a loss, you're not eligible for PPP, but you take your profit, you divide it by 12 to give you the monthly average, and then you multiply it by two and a half. So that's your two and a half times monthly payroll. And I want to make sure I did say payroll the first time. If I said revenue, that's not correct. It's two and a half times your average monthly payroll. But for the self-employed, since you don't pay payroll, you just take money out of your business, you're using that line 31 from your Schedule C to calculate that amount. Tell me more about unemployment at the federal and state levels for those who are self-employed. States administer unemployment, and traditionally, you can't get unemployment generally if you're self-employed. It's usually available to those who have an employee-employer relationship. And so when the pandemic unemployment program was created in the CARES Act on March 27th, the state suddenly had to retroactively or quickly refigure their systems to accept a new category of people who can be eligible for unemployment. And some of them acted more quickly than others. So it really depends on where your state is at in terms of making these benefits available. But the good news is there's two pieces of good news. One is if you were incorrectly turned down for unemployment as someone who's self-employed, you can ask for a reconsideration. So that's one thing to keep in mind. And that's true no matter what state you're in. That's a a right you have. You have the right to appeal uh, according to Department of Labor regulations. And then 
then the second thing is you can get retroactive benefits as well. So I would encourage someone who's had trouble applying through their state portal because of the fact that the state isn't geared up to accept this kind of applicant yet to go back and try to reapply under that um, under the system once they get up to date. But it is up to each individual state to adopt this unemployment uh, assistance for those who are self-employed. It can include 1099 contractors. It can include gig workers. It may include folks like uh, those who are real estate agents or in some kind of sales capacity, et cetera. So there's a broad category of people who may be eligible for this unemployment assistance, but the states really need to get their act together so they can apply and get the benefits they need. Yeah. Okay. So Talk to me a little bit about the PPP and the EIDL. Is credit for your business something that is going to be a part of your acceptance or denial for these programs? That's a great question. Both of these programs fall under the SBA loan program. So the SBA loans traditionally have been a a great type of loan if you can qualify. Now, they've tried to simplify the process for people who need to apply, but some of the provisions they've retained, some of them they haven't. So in the case of EIDL, the Economic Injury Disaster Loan, that loan is supposed to help the business get working capital to stay open until the disaster has passed so they can pay those essential bills and then get back on their feet. And this program's been around for a number of years. The new part is the grant that they have offered that doesn't have to be repaid. That program does require acceptable credit. So we have heard from some folks who have been turned down for that loan based on their credit information or their credit history. Now, the uh, the SBA says that they're taking into account the fact that some people might recently have credit troubles. I'm not sure exactly how they're implementing that. Because as you know, Laura, a credit history is a snapshot in time and it doesn't always show, it doesn't, the credit score in particular doesn't always show that maybe two months ago you were fine, but now you're starting to have credit troubles. So we're not sure exactly how they're implementing that. But just like I mentioned with unemployment, if you're turned down, you do have the right to reconsideration. Tell me about some of the questions that you're you're getting right now from small business owners that are trying to navigate these programs and, you know, kind of get the most that's possible. It sounds like the PPP program is going to offer most people the opportunity to get more. Uh, certainly, it does depend on how much you're earning from your, your business. But what questions are, are you seeing most frequently? One of the biggest questions I'm getting about PPP is how do I maximize forgiveness? Because the purpose of PPP really is to keep employees on the payroll. And that can include yourself if you're a self-employed individual. So it's very important that after you get the PPP loan, that you spend the funds in the right way. And then once you do that, you can apply for forgiveness from your lender. And if it's forgiven, you don't even owe taxes on the amount that's forgiven, which is a, a great deal. So The most important thing you need to know is this program is designed mainly to cover payroll-related expenses. And again, that can include the money you pay yourself. And it's really geared toward the eight weeks after you get the money. So 75% needs to be on payroll-related expenses, and up to 25% can be for other expenses like rent, utilities, or mortgage interest. I would recommend that you carefully document 
how you spend your PPP money, and even if it's to pay yourself during those eight weeks after you get the loan, that you keep a record, a copy of a check, for example, something showing that you paid yourself that money. The lender will require some sort of documentation in order to forgive the loan. So that's really key. The other thing to keep in mind is that you can't double dip. So While the SBA hasn't come out with clear and specific guidance, it appears that you can't get unemployment at the same time you're using PPP to pay yourself. After all, if you're unemployed, that means you're not working. And if you're paying yourself through PPP, you're essentially working for your own company. So just make sure that you understand that double dipping is something you don't want to do. If you get PPP and idle, for example, you'll want to use the disaster loan for other working capital expenses, bills that your business needs to pay. But don't use it to pay yourself payroll and then use, at the same time, use PVP to say pay yourself payroll. It's not supposed to be a windfall. And if you do end up using the PPP funds for something other than payroll, is the loan term still 1%? Yes. So any amount that's not forgiven becomes a loan for 1% interest for up to two years. You have two years to pay it back. However, I would caution business owners that there are specific purposes for using PPP funds. You can't use it just for anything. So for example, you couldn't use PPP funds to refinance a high interest rate credit card. That wouldn't be considered an acceptable use of those funds. And that could create a problem for you where you have to pay that money back more quickly. Money Girl is sponsored by Claritin. If you're like me and you suffer from allergies, you know this time of year can be pretty rough. There's a lot of sneezing, itchy eyes, congestion, and they can really hold you back from living the life you want to live. Luckily, for those with allergies, you can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. This is a product designed for serious allergy sufferers. It's got two ingredients in one pill that relieve allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can breathe better. This double-action combo of prescription-strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant relieves all the symptoms that you suffer. And what I love about Claritin D is that it starts working in as little as 30 minutes. Plus, it's non-drowsy, so you can still make the most of your day. I can take Claritin D and then get on the mic and record a podcast without being too congested. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. Go spread the word. When you get a fresh, hot McCrispie from McDonald's and you can feel the heat coming through the bag, don't try to wait till you get home. Always respect hot chicken. The McCrispie, only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Some people like to deep clean every Saturday morning. I prefer to spend a few minutes every day keeping things fresh with Lysol. Lysol's brand new day disinfecting wipes conveniently tackle surfaces, including remotes, tablets, and smartphones, killing 99.9% of viruses and bacteria with a fragrance that feels like a tropical getaway for your senses. (sighs) Don't just clean, Lysol clean. 
Tell me a little bit about business credit. I think a lot of people out there don't even realize that businesses have credit and have a credit score. What are some things that we can do, especially during this difficult time, to make sure that we're not damaging our credit as a business? And also, who has a credit score? Uh, You know, would a sole proprietor have a score for their business? Or do you have to be incorporated to have a business credit score? How does that whole system work? You don't have to be incorporated to have a business credit report and a business credit score. It really depends on whether your business is on the radar of the major commercial credit agencies. So the companies that compile business credit reports, there's a number of them, but the main three are Dun & Bradstreet, and then two you've heard of on the consumer side, Equifax and Experian. Both Equifax and Experian also have commercial credit repositories where they collect information about how businesses pay their bills. So just like your consumer credit report, there's going to be information in there about how the business pays its bills. But it's not very transparent. On the consumer side, uh, we're required to get at least one free annual credit report. We're getting more right now through annualcreditreport.com. And if we're turned down for credit based on our credit report, the lender has to tell us tell us that and give us the opportunity to get a free copy of our, our credit report. Well, none of that happens on the business side because there are no regulations around business credit. So someone could be checking your business credit. They could be reporting to your business credit. You could even be turned down for something based on your business credit you might not know. So we encourage business owners to proactively check their business credit, know what's on there, know whether they have a report, know who's reporting. And then if that information does appear on your business credit about a particular bill, make sure that you're either paying on time or you're renegotiating your terms with that vendor or lender so that you don't end up with late payments that can hurt your credit scores. So if you've got a business credit card, that's one way you're going to be building uh, credit as a business owner. How about the loans? Do any of the SBA loans that we're talking about, does, does the repayment of those loans help your business credit score? Yeah, many loans are reported to business credit, and sometimes they're reported directly, sometimes they're reported indirectly through a company called the Small Business Financial Exchange, which gathers information from lenders and makes that available on those commercial credit reports that I just talked about. So it is very confusing and often not transparent, but one of the biggest types of um, data that appear on business credit reports is what's called trade credit. Those are accounts you have with your vendors or suppliers. So let's say you're buying uh, some sort of supplies to make your you know, jewelry that you sell on your Etsy store. If you're not paying for it with a credit card up front, but you have terms with your vendor, they're probably reporting it to at least one of those commercial credit reporting agencies. So that information also makes its way onto business credit reports and can help build business credit. Or of course, if you're late, hurt your business credit. Yeah. All right. Well, let's shift gears and talk a little bit about individuals and consumer credit. You mentioned that right now we are able to get our scores more frequently. We can do that once a week now if you're at going to annualcreditreport.com. And of course, uh, scores and reports are available at other sites. Um, But I think it's pretty significant that we're able to get those at annualcreditreport.com once a week now. Do you think that that 
benefit has come about because there are so many scams and potential uh, opportunities for identity theft right now? Why do you think that we have been suddenly given this ability to have more insight into our credit? I think credit is at the forefront of so many people's minds right now because they're stressed about whether they're going to pay their bills. And so they want to find out who's reporting, what's reporting, and who do I need to talk to to try to renegotiate my bills. So, And there certainly is a lot of scams going on as well. We've seen it at NAB on the business credit side where some of our customers have told us they've paid a lot of money to someone to supposedly get at the front of the line for a PPP loan. Well, there's no fees for PPP loans. No matter where you go, you're, no one can charge you a fee for those loans. But unfortunately, some business owners have been tricked into paying high upfront fees. So this is a time where you want to monitor your credit, your personal and your business credit. You want to be very proactive about reaching out to lenders if it looks like you're going to have problems paying your bills. Because if you can work out some sort of arrangement where you can suspend your payments, that could protect your credit rating for literally several years to come in the future. What should people be thinking about when and if they have had to stop making payments on either a credit card or a car loan, and then they're going to be eventually contacted by a creditor if that account does go into collections? Any tips for folks who might have to deal with incoming phone calls or emails or letters from debt collectors? Yes, the most important thing to understand if you're being contacted by a debt collector is you do not have to agree to something on the spot. Some collectors are very um, high pressure and they'll make you feel like if you at least make a small payment, it's going to solve your problem or get them off, you know, get them off your back. And that could be a mistake. There is in every state, there's something called the statute of limitations for different debts, and that governs how long they can uh, sue you and win a case against you for a debt. And what happens is you could have an old debt that maybe legally they can't do a whole lot to collect, but if you make a payment on it, you revive those statute of limitations and you give them longer to collect and even to sue you for that debt. So it's very hard and very stressful, but take a deep breath, spend a little time understanding your rights and know that you do have the right. You can tell a debt cut collector, this isn't a convenient time. This isn't going to be in place. Please don't call me on my cell phone. And they have to stop. Now, you don't want to cut off all communications because you don't want to leave them in a spot where they think you're not going to talk to them and all they can do is sue you. But if it is getting to be too high pressure, do understand that you do have the right to step back for a bit and figure out your approach to dealing with all your debts, not just that one. So, Jerry, tell me a little bit about what you think the future of lending may be based on what's going on right now with the COVID crisis. Are things going to change? I mean, is it going to be really difficult to get a loan, to get a credit card? How are things changing? Are there any trends that you see? In the short term, we're already seeing that lenders, whether it's on the business side or the personal side, are pulling back and they're requiring higher credit scores. So unfortunately, at a time when a lot of people are worried about maintaining their credit, lenders are getting more uh, picky about whether you have a really high credit score. So again, it is important to do what you can to maintain it. If you can't, you can. You can recover from bad credit 
no matter how bad it gets, I, I could assure you that it just takes some time. But I would say that lenders are going to really scrutinize applications. Uh, they are going to look at income or business revenues more carefully and try to target those who still have you know, their job, those businesses that are still bringing in revenue and maybe are considered essential businesses. But they also are looking to the future as well. And I think one thing many lenders learned in the 2008-2000 downturn is that they burned their bridges with some pretty good customers. So some of them cut credit lines on customers who didn't have any financial problems. And those customers then went to other competitors for their future financial needs. So I think they're going to be better about targeting and understanding what's going on with customers, hopefully, and be able to get up to speed again once we know the main uh, crisis has either let down or passed. Yeah, we also saw a lot of credit card companies cutting back available credit, even canceling cards if if consumers were not using the cards. Do you foresee similar issues going on with credit cards? We are starting to see some of that. So we're hearing that from business owners and individuals who are seeing that maybe a card they haven't used in a while is getting closed for an activity or a credit line is uh, frozen and maybe they want to do a balance transfer, but they can't get enough credit to make that balance transfer worthwhile. So now's a good time to review the cards that you have. Make sure that you have auto payment set up. If you just make the minimum payment on time, you'll preserve your payment history, which is the most important factor on either your business or your personal credit. So just making that minimum is the most essential. And then taking those cards that maybe you don't use and haven't used in a while, maybe making a purchase or two, things you'd buy anyway, just to keep them active, that might help to preserve that credit line so that if you do need it, it's available to you. Yeah, great advice. Well, any other final words for either businesses or consumers who are struggling right now? Um, Anything to just prioritize their financial lives and and kind of think about the best way to, to handle a hardship? I think the most important thing that this has revealed is the importance of really being on top of your numbers, whether that's business in your business or personally. I know so many business owners who, for example, are self-employed and want to take advantage of PPP, but they haven't done their 2019 tax return because we got an extension from the government on it and their bookkeeping is not up to date. So they're having trouble figuring out how to qualify because they don't have that information available. Similarly, on the personal side, you need to really understand, you know, what are the essential obligations I have to pay? What is that basic, basic amount of money that I have available each month to pay the bills and how do I prioritize? So, well, it's not always the fun part for many people, really uh, getting on top of your budget and your bookkeeping is going to be really essential as we go through these next few months, which are still going to be very rocky for many people. And if someone is listening who has been thinking about applying for the PPP loan or is in a situation like what you said, they haven't done their taxes for the prior year and they're thinking, gosh, I just don't have all the necessary paperwork. Is it too late? Is there still time to gather all your information and make an application? 
Well, as of today, April 30th, uh, there's still funds available through the PPP. So I'm still encouraging business owners to apply. In fact, I just spoke with a business owner last night who filled out her application and is trying to get the funding. This funding may run out. Uh, Currently, the idle uh, portal is closed, although Congress authorized an additional $60 billion for the program. But there is talk at the SBA about reopening it. So I would say stay on top of the latest developments. We may see Congress authorize even more money for these programs. We may see new programs come out. But for any program, you're probably going to need documentation that you have a business and how much your business makes in order to apply. And so, you again, you really want to befriend your bookkeeper right now and try to get that information updated as soon as, updated as, soon as possible. Or if you're the bookkeeper, getting into your uh, accounting program and catching up. Jerry, how can listeners learn more about their relief options? Sure, they can find us at navnav.com, and currently we are helping to match borrowers to PPP, and we also give business owners free business credit reports from DNB, Equifax, and Experian. doesn't hurt your credit, so that's a way to stay on top of your business credit if you haven't been doing so. Thanks again so much to Jerry. I really enjoyed speaking with her about this topic. That's all for now. I'll talk to you next week. Until then, here's to living a richer life. Money Girl is produced by the audio wizard, Steve Rickyberg, with editorial support from Karen Hertzberg. If you've been enjoying the podcast, take a moment to rate and review it on Apple Podcasts. You might also like the backlist episodes and show notes that are always available at quickanddirtytips.com. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Earning your degree online doesn't mean you have to go about it alone. At Capella University, we're here to support you when you're ready. From enrollment counselors who get to know you and your goals, to academic coaches who can help you form a plan to stay on track. We care about your success and are dedicated to helping you pursue your goals. Going back to school is a big step, but having support at every step of your academic journey can make a big difference. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu.